Welcome and thanks for listening. My name is Christian Buckley and you're listening to the Collab Talk podcast. In this episode, I'm talking with Richard Harbridge, a Microsoft MVP and the CTO of Toronto-based consulting company Two to Lead, on the topic of real-world examples of the employee experience and how to improve them. Welcome to another episode of the Collab Talk podcast, where we discuss the convergence of technology, business productivity, and collaboration culture, and hopefully my voice lasts throughout this. My guest today is Mr. Richard Harbridge, Microsoft MVP and the Chief Technology Officer with, I guess I used to say Toronto-based to the lead, but sort of like you guys are very, just very virtual, um, so all over Canada. Uh, and a consulting services company focused on business strategy, user experience, and technology expertise to help transform organizations. And that's what we're going to get into today. So welcome, Richard. Hey, well, it's a pleasure to be here. And uh, yeah, we, we are Canadian. Most of our employees, almost everyone is Canadian. And then our work is basically in North America. We have a couple exceptions with like European, especially our larger customers. But yeah, generally, uh, if you're US or Canada, we, we work with you uh, and uh you know, lots of hundreds of customer examples and uh, challenges around uh, collaboration and employee experience and things like that. So I'm sure we have lots of meat, you know, to kind of uh, to dig into today for our discussion. Well, this is a, a great topic. So I know that uh, we've both been talking a lot about it and I've had other guests. We were just talking about Sue Hanley that we're both good friends with in a, in a past episode. What we're going to talk today is about real world examples of changing the employee experience. Because it's one thing to talk about it broadly and we get into, of course, Microsoft is focusing increasingly on that. Both of us are very, very heavy within the Microsoft ecosystem as both of us are Microsoft MVPs and uh, involved with Microsoft Viva and with customers that are looking at really, you know, beyond the names of products and things that will drop right and left throughout this conversation. Um, really as organizations that are starting to seriously, thoughtfully think about the end-to-end employee experience and make changes at all different levels within their organization. So like, what is your approach? Maybe you could give like a broader introduction to yourself and to two to lead. And how do you approach this discussion of the employee experience with customers? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a, a more important topic today, right? So if we think about, um, you know, with there's all sorts of terms going around, right? The great reshuffling, the great resignation. You know, we have, uh, you know, a hybrid work uh, management model that's that's here to stay. Work, work from home, all, the, all those. Totally. Things, right? Yep. And so, you know, uh, when we think about employee experience, that's where we help customers, right? We, we most of my work actually on a day-to-day, speaking of real world, is is around technology road mapping, right? So we we figure out like, what are those gaps? And one of the big challenges with employee experience today is, you know, what's happened is a shift away from uh, sort of an environment of physical to an environment of technological and cultural. So so just for, for reference, um, Jacob has this wonderful, uh, Jacob Morgan has a great uh, piece of material around sort of the advantages of employee experience and how to, to take it further. And he describes it as three environments, right? We have sort of cultural, technological, and we have physical. And when you think of those three environments, what we can absolutely say today, I think it's very evident, is that the physical environment has become far less of an important discussion. 
discussion point. And that's true for the entire life cycle of an employee's journey, right? Think of the first time you interview, right? How important that used to be where I'd come into an office, come in that front door and I, I have, oh, this is a lobby experience. And that lobby experience was designed for you, not just for customers, but for you as an employee, right? Like what's that experience going to be like, you know, seeing people in their work environment, all these other things. And you get excited about that. But for so many people now where they might have never been in that office, they might never be in that office, you know, the digital experiences and the cultural experiences are far more important to them, right? Than they have been historically. And at, as that shift has occurred, the problem with cultural experiences, quite frankly, is that a lot of people see them as intangible. Now they're not, uh, just to be clear, there's lots of ways in the real world to improve, you know, uh, our cultural experiences, right? So there's lots of specific ones maybe we can even talk about today, but a lot of people see it as less, less tangible. And because of that, um, most of the emphasis then goes into digital or or uh, technological uh, employee experiences. And that's where obviously Microsoft and a number of others have done a great job of meeting demands, right? That organizations need to, to address if they wanna be successful, right? In the modern uh, technology uh, employee experience. And so, um, yeah, there, there's a lot to talk about there. Maybe, maybe just for a quick example, of that cultural thing, because I, I mentioned that it was intangible, but I don't, I don't like to leave that. I want to make it clear. I, I, rather than intangible, the way I always describe it is it's the quantitative versus qualitative measurements. Quantitative would be uh, number of files that have been uploaded, number of chat message, you know, chats that my team has had, you know, those things that you can actually go and measure those. The qualitative, you know, is is more like where some organizations or, or even going into like a 7-Eleven, a, a convenience store. And on the way out, there's that little stand that says like, how did, was your experience today? And there was an unhappy face, a medium, and then a happy face. And they measure those emoticons of, look, it was a good experience. You know, just a quick button. I've now tried to, uh, uh, tried to be better about answering those short little, you know, those identifiers to provide that direct feedback back there, there's value. And maybe that's, it's not realistic to have those little stands around your office yeah, or even I mean within the home, but there are ways that my point is that there are ways that you can, if you incorporate them into your strategy to start to measure, to track and measure those qualitative improvements and what that actually means. But yeah, it, sometimes it, usually, it sometimes takes a lot more absence, effort. Yeah, yeah, sometimes the absence is just as valuable as like the insight, right? So, you know, a lot of the, the patterns you suggested there, you could argue are like methodologies, there are things that we should be doing. And, and sometimes they, they're classified in that technology quadrant, right? Because like agile is a methodology, you know, an organization that supports agile be more successful, might entice people to work there more. Like there's a lot of reasons why you could take, obviously we talk about technology all the time, but there's, there's methodologies that are technological in nature that, that improve those outcomes. But I think, you know, if we take like that particular example, example, um, I really like absence, right? So in cultural, one of my favorite things to do with customers is we say, what are the things that are missing? So if you go to a larger organization, and we see this all the time, and you say, okay, you want to improve collaboration. We're on Collab Talk, right? It's all about collaboration. So your outcome, one of the outcomes you want to drive, one of the cultural norms is that we endorse and support collaboration, you know, that we're a collaboration positive type organization, so on and so forth. Great. So how do you actually uh, value that? Today, when you do your employee, employee reviews, hopefully not annually, hopefully like quarterly with informal touch points in between, when you do those, do you ask not just what impact that person has driven on the organization, but 
how others have helped them and how they have helped others. So it's a simple thing. If you look at those employee evaluation criteria and the way managers are meant, you know, you're, you're, obviously each manager is going to use their own techniques, but the way you arm them, right, with saying these are the things we want you to ask about, do those have those kinds of questions? You know, how have others helped you? How have, other, have you helped others? And behavioral science 101, we know management science, that those are the best questions to ask. Because as a manager, you know the impact your employees are having, right? What you struggle with is how have others impacted them and how are they impacting others? Because that's the, that's where your visibility starts to, to have issues and challenges. And similarly, if we think of that example, by having that there, that clearly shows that at the organizational level, we're valuing because we're literally putting it, we're tying it to performance discussions. We're tying that discussion of collaboration to that level. That means collaboration really is endorsed. If you're missing that, and there are many organizations that do not have that type of question, right? The how have others helped me? How have I helped others? If you're missing that, that absence is a pretty clear indicator of a cultural gap, right? Of what you want to be, what you aspire to be versus where you are today. So yeah, I think I think you know, sometimes, um, you, to your point, those metrics can be really helpful, but even sometimes looking at the gaps, right? The absence of, of having, uh, you know, certain things within your, your cultural identity and your messaging and the way you work, right? Those touch points, that those don't even exist is, a, is a, even a bigger warning sign sometimes for organizations to, to address. Yeah, that is, it's, it's interesting too that, uh, you know, we, the great thing about asking that question about what's missing too is that you have, uh, you know, certainly in this day and age, we have, uh, you know, influx with constantly of new people coming in and bringing in their experiences. One of a uh, complaint that I've had throughout my career is how starting in a new company, how few organizations value the experience that you brought with them. We went through the interview process. You hired me because I have all this experience. And then I get in there because of my role, my title, my level, you're not listening to anything else that I've experienced that might, you know, like you can't see past this. I think that is a true. That's, that's an area, that's a gap, but there's an opportunity there to ask people about like, what's missing from this. What have you seen that's worked elsewhere? And then incorporating those things in like, yeah. any, I, I know you are also passionate about change management as a topic. And there's a lot that we could cover within that, but that is something that uh, uh, those organizations that truly embrace change management models are also asking those types of types of questions because it's a process of continual reflection and continual improve, improvement, or at least striving for continual, you know, uh, that renewal process and to review and, and listen to. And, and again, if, if people d aren't being asked the question, they're not going to feel whether they explicitly or implicitly they they, they feel like, Hey, no one cares about my, yeah. they're not asking, therefore they don't care. Uh, and they're not going to share those things. And they'll basically then they'll just kind of take whatever system and tools and things that are out there. And then when they can't get their jobs done, then they'll do the shadow IT path. They'll go and do it themselves because they feel like there's no path to be heard anywhere else. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like we talk about um, things that are missing, right? The, the absence of something. So, you know, organizations that um, from a performance perspective um, aren't having those discussions with employees, like what are the skills that you brought to the table that we're not utilizing, right? That's, that's another example on the cultural side, but let's talk about the technology side, right? So um, a big challenge today, huge challenge with remote shift is that in, in managers, right? Um, don't effectively, and they never have, effectively connected employees 
to like the broader organization, right? So if you think about one of the gaps we have for attrition and for retention and a bunch of things, we know that employee networking is important, right? The more networked an employee is, the more that they use this broader set of experiences and, and skill sets and they benefit the broader organization. You get more ROI from that employee, the more network they are in the organization. We also know that it greatly increases not just their retention, but the retention of others that they're networked with, right? Especially depending on the strength of those ties, team cohesion, resiliency in the business, ability to adapt to or organizational change or industry change, all of those things all tie to networks, density, and strength. So if we take networking as an example, the question is, in a, a world where we don't have those barbecues and we don't have those events where, you know, in the physical, remember that physical environment, right? It's less important now. So those are ways that we used to connect people outside their working groups, right? We used to create these opportunities. And in the last two years, plus for a lot of employees, they haven't had anything like that, right? And it's not their manager's fault. I want to be really clear. Managers, good leaders are going to try and look at the potential of a person and try and, um, you know, help them achieve that potential, including, you know, networking and collecting with other people in the cross organization. But again, for most organizations, you know, managers are overworked, they don't have time for that. So the organization itself has to be proactive in creating these opportunities to network and cross connect across your cross functional teams and things like that. So in that way, having like, a, you know, an app or an experience, we, we see a lot of these solutions where customers have icebreakers, you know, um, coffee time, uh, coffee chats, uh, you know, all these different sort of technology tools that enable employees to connect with other people outside their working group, those become really relevant and, and being intentional about it, really saying like, hey, this is, again, going back to the cultural side, we think that you want to be connected, we want to be a cohesive, collaborative workspace. So we're going to encourage these kinds of strong network ties. And we're going to do that with these kinds of tools. And you could say Yammer is obviously a tool for that. Yammer is, you know, Teams is great for working with your team and maybe working with teams that you indirectly work with. But Yammer is the place to work with outside of your working group, right? 100%. Like the community-centric model of Yammer is that connective tissue. But communities are necessary but not sufficient. We need nowadays real tools or virtual events or other things that really create opportunity for people to connect outside the working group. Otherwise, they're going to connect, but they're going to connect with people outside your organization. And that's fine. That's still very valuable, but it's not valuable for your organization in the same way. And you so, to, um, yeah, that's hey, a, Richard, that's you know, having, having started my new role right in the middle, uh, so December a year ago, uh, uh, you know, uh, in the middle of the pandemic, I can't imagine, like, as you know, I mean, I, I knew the executive team. I knew a lot of people that I'm working with on a daily basis now. I've known them for years through the community that, you know, AppPoint was a customer, uh, was a partner, was a competitor back, but I've just known the space for a long time. I can't imagine to be a new employee without that background to have joined during the pandemic and not had all of those other tools. Look, I'm a fan of work from home, of remote working, of hybrid work and all that even going back in the early 90s, when I worked for the phone company for Pacific Bell, they were very advanced where they were setting up this, I've talked about this a number of times, this hoteling space. And it was very like futuristic. It was a, a drop-in zone where people could elect for teams that approved this that said like, look, I don't need to be here every day. I'm going to come in maybe two days a week. Just give me a desk where I can set up shop while I'm here on those days that I'm here. And, you know, like that model loved that, that whole concept, but there, it, it to your point, it speaks to the, there is the need for a regular face-to-face -face. and whether that is, there's the virtual components. And so a lot of organizations did this, a lot of communities, user groups did this, where they, they used to having meetings, but they just set up 
a time and had the online space where people could just talk about yeah family, about whatever just to connect there's you know, this um have it, a specific topic just there's to this have pattern that we see a lot historically right like we've had this uh, open office right open uh, open door mm -hmm. policy right which is a good cultural example of a policy that has technological implications right and so as the physical literally the analogy open door is from the physical world right so as we look at what is open door now it has to be predefined office times office hours right for for managers and other people it has to be like this proactive you know like find time you know uh, um, uh, calendly like thing where you're saying hey here's a bunch of opportunities times where you can absolutely interrupt me I encourage it right like I want to have a discussion with you it has to be uh, different ways of communicating so much work now is um, time you know across time zones so you have to do this asynchronous form you have to be very comfortable with asynchronous communication too which I don't think a lot of people are and so here's you know I'll give you a one I'll give two examples right I'll do the the individual and then I'll do sort of the manager one right so as an individual, uh, an easy thing you could potentially do that actually will make a positive difference here is you could say to someone, hey, as an individual, um, I, I want to manage my time a little bit better. Like I want to have focus time. I want to like manage that. So you could, uh, if you never explored it using like uh, music or uh, background noises, like you know, having a, a park in the background where it's like uh, the birds are tweeting is actually really useful for that focus time, right? So then that makes us more refreshed for the times we're collaborating, et cetera. So there's like an individual example. Now let's talk about a simple change at a, you know, sort of a manager or leader perspective. Let's say you're, you're uh, working with a peer or even a, a person who reports to you and they finally acknowledge, and this happens all the time, oh, I finally got this thing done or, hey, I, I got this, check that box, um, you know, it was, it was whatever, I, you know, I made a mistake, whatever. So people do these kinds of interactions all the time. Now, if you were in person, you would totally smile. You might give them a high five. You might get, like really have like a really interesting, intimate opportunity there of creating deeper intimacy, deeper connection and, and establishing greater trust, right? I, I believed in you. We're, we're best friends on this, right? What happens is when we send that message that just has the emoticon and it says, hey, great job, it doesn't convey the same thing. This is why, um, at least for me, what I've started to actually do is take my phone out, do a little recording, of my face saying like, amazing work, like you are awesome, right? And you take a moment and, and, and it makes a world of difference when someone gets that little message that has a little video instead of just the text, right? And it's, and they can see the energy, the enthusiasm, like how much you appreciate what they're doing. And I think sometimes we think, well, we have to have that only in one-on-ones, like you and I on a call right now with our faces, you know, looking at each other, you know, looking into your beautiful eyes, et cetera. But there's lots of times where we can do that, you know, in an asynchronous way, but still make it more um, intimate and meaningful. And it doesn't take a lot of extra effort to do that little recording example that I gave um, to make, make that work as an example. What I want to know is, uh, Richard, am I able to take like that, do a short video like you did? and automate that with like a power app and then swap out the person's name and just be able to type in the other names <laughs> and it auto the robot voice come in and replace it. Yeah, people, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't, I didn't do a third one, but let me, let me, let me use that analogy. Cause I think it's a fun one. You know, we always talk about authenticity, right? And uh, the third one I'll use is, uh, and this one just is a pet peeve of mine. So um, every organization, if they're, if they're okay at what they're do, they get like awards, like great place to work and things like that. Yep. Right. Yep, Instead yep. of acknowledging it as a great place to work. Hey guys, did you know this? You're an employee here. You're a great place to work. Why would you use that, right? Instead, you know, frame it as, "Hey guys, 
you know, our employee experience, right, that is like this and this, and these are the things that we're doing, give ta tangible, specific examples. Um, you guys cited in this, right, in our reviews or whatever, that you guys really like that. And so we're going to continue those investments, and we're going to do some more, right? Here's some other ones, right? Create an opportunity to actually create excitement by being real, right, and being about what is the reality, what's actually driving the reason people feel it's a good workplace uh, environment and really talk about those things. You know, a lot of times we'll talk about awards and, and, and you know, in all sorts of different contexts and not just be real about it. And I think, you know, uh, it's too easy to say stuff like that, right? It's the same thing where someone's like, oh, you know, I, I, I really wanted to acknowledge, you know, great work somebody did. And then they don't take the time to actually explain, you know, what is that work that they're, they're so proud of. And, and it, it's these little extra at levels of specificity, both on the strategy side and then on you know individual execution that really make the the difference long term right with a lot of these employee experience improvements you, know, you just reminded me of something that um did it a past team which i think is just it was uh you know at, at first my direct reports my team was you know, there they're just kind of like well what is this but i found this uh i don't know it was like at a thrift store or something this little sumo wrestler doll thing it was this i don't know if it was like a piggy bank or whatever but it was just ugly but we called it the Ugly Sumo Award and we made it a peer-to-peer -peer recognition award. And so we'd have our monthly summary meetings. We'd meet on a weekly basis, but we had these monthly where we do bigger numbers and talk about strategy. It was a longer meeting, but we carved out a part of it where whoever was the previous month's winner of the Ugly Sumo had to do a peer recognition and explain why of somebody else within the team to find to get, give people reason to find opportunities to praise their peers, find something that you admired, something that did well. Maybe they have no idea. You weren't involved at all, but you watched it or overheard the conversation in the cube farm or, or something around that. But they, that idea of encouraging, wanting to build the culture, and it got to be a really fun activity um, with some serious, almost tear jerking moments where people are like call out, like really admire this about you and the way that you did this. And I just wish I had that skill and go like, and it was, it was a great way to build rapport in the team and to, uh, and to also showcase the fact that we are watching and we're paying attention and we just don't always vocalize those, those things and to get people to kind of open up. Um, yeah, I think recognition is a good example where we had a physical analogy, right? Employee of the month, you know, you had those bulletin boards and then we went to digital. And so now I, I hope most organizations use micro bonuses, right? There's all sorts of like great, great yeah. uh, technology advancements here. Obviously uh, in Viva, you have praise and you have other concepts you can use in Microsoft stack. But one of the interesting things is you take that physical analogy as well. There's other things besides recognition that just haven't made that, that um, shift as well. So like you mentioned hoteling earlier. So let's talk about that, right? So we spent, uh, if you're if you're focusing on the physical today, you're spending a lot of energy thinking about the employee experience on the physical side and how that's changing. Awesome. Go back to the digital for a second. You spent all this time thinking of like, how do the user, like people in a physical environment walk from this spot to that spot? How do they find those rooms to book? How do they, you know, find uh, the library or that whatever resources that you have across the business, right? That IT center, whatever it is that they need. So how do they do all those things? And you think about where those are placed. You think of like the signs and all these things. Then you go to the, the, the collaboration digital world and you say, okay, where are my signs that tell me where all the HR related, you know, department equals HR sites are, right? Show me where all the teams are that relate to X. What are the ones that relate to a product or a customer? And we don't have any of those signs. Like we haven't spent any of that same energy or thought or leadership 
framing that in the right way. And this is where that absence is so helpful when we talk about real world. So a, a good organization has really started to solve this problem of digital sprawl. They'll have a digital workplace directory. Right? They'll have they'll have a, a place where you can see all the teams, the communities, the sites, the you know uh, confluence spaces, the Facebook spaces. I'm not even talking about just Microsoft ones, right? You'll you'll find those spaces represented in some sort of directory that allows for filtering, you know, uh, refinement, search. You know, allows you to quickly navigate you know this massive sprawl that you have of spaces and find what you're looking for. Well, at the same time. Those, those spaces give you something else, which is really important, which is motivation to actually provide that metadata in the first place. Metadata that drives compliance and information management and IT governance, right? So if you, if you take that example of department equals HR that I mentioned earlier, if I have a departmental HR site, right, which is a, you know, just like my lobby, right, I come into a building or a new floor, right, within a physical environment, right from there, I should have the digital workplace directory displayed, right, just like you'd have a directory of anything else. And in there, you'd say, here's all the sites, right, the sites, the teams, et cetera, the communities that relate to HR, department equals HR. And someone might say, well, why isn't mine in there? Or why isn't this new one over here, um, over there? And they'll say, well, that's because no one told us it related to HR. Great. Now we tell them. Now we can do all sorts of things on the back end because now people are incentivized. There's a clear path you know, to filling out that data. And we can apply information management, right? We can do things like have not just DLP based on a pattern, but really say like all department equals HR content has this retention rule, has this sensitivity, you know, extra steps around it, you know, um, should be re return results in these ways, right? From an experience layer perspective and so on and so forth. So I think, you know, when we when we start to look at those physical to digital worlds, it's actually really interesting because, again, when you look at the gaps where we haven't really um, maybe met the same quality bar that we had in those worlds, um, those are the same gaps that we need to probably urgently resolve in our digital world. And, uh, you know, digital workplace directory is one, but there's there's many others. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, the way managers work, right? And so, you know, <laughs> you've all seen like Office Space or some of those old movies where the managers like, you know, micromanaging and they're over the person's desk or things like that. Well, in the digital world, we know that there's actually a lot of really bad behaviors as well, right? Those meetings that are, they don't need to be meetings in the first place. There's all these challenges like that. And between Viva Insights and between, you know, the, the workplace analytics now that you have in Microsoft Stack Technologies, we have all the tools that we never, we couldn't dream of having that in the physical world. I like to remind uh, executives like, you know, in the physical world, if we had cameras and everything anyone ever did, if they work on a document, they share that document, you know, they, they literally uh, talk to somebody and how long they've talked to them, how many people were in a room at the same time. You have the Microsoft all that researcher, data. There's a Microsoft researcher that did that a few years back um, based down in San Francisco who recorded everything and it was petabytes of information you know, each month. Every interaction, every call, every note, there were cameras, all of it captured. And he was looking at, you know, uh, uh, you know, memory retention and extending that, but then making all of those interactions then searchable and, you know, incredible, you know, effort around that, because it is amazing how much, you know, we, we, I'm sure it's all retained somehow, somewhere, but we can't access that, that information. Um, but in our organization, like we have the ability to yeah, get that transcript from that meeting you just had, the recording, you know, where it identifies who spoke and when they spoke, like the fact that we can time shift that and skip, you know, across that and watch it at different speeds. You know, I'm just picking on recordings, right? We haven't talked about before and after meetings and all those interaction right. points there. And it's done in a privacy way, which is great too, right? So we don't actually have to worry about, you know, the, the dangers of that, right? Because it's done in a way that protects a lot of those risks as well. well so, we should be worried yeah. about it, but it, we should have confidence that if we set it up that it's protected and 
if done right but yeah yeah i i have a lot of opinions on on the way i think my i think microsoft made a lot of really good judgment calls really early on with how they rolled out a lot of these technologies and i am very confident of the privacy story but you're right like you have to understand what these are and how to use them because anything could be used uh poorly right like for for the wrong intentions um right. so that's very true but but yeah that that idea of like having more data and richness again the absence of something you know for a lot of people that they didn't have that in the physical world now we have that here and so again that that creates new opportunities so you know doing comparisons can become really helpful i think where people are navigating this journey obviously individually but as leaders and managers as well yeah when when you talk with customers about uh, uh you know the employee experience you started to have these discussions and I'm sure a lot of those discussions, because you know, we all know that uh, an executive sees some briefing from Microsoft, or we used to joke about, you know, oh, there was a Microsoft product that was highlighted in, uh, in whatever airlines magazine. Oh, great. We're going to get all these calls from these executives that want to know about that new product that, that's out there. When you talk to customers about the employee experience, do you see themes of what they're trying to do of the outcomes that they're targeting? Or is oh, it very sure. much like new technology? What is the new technology got to have my hands on this new tech? No, there, there are definitely themes, right? So, you know, uh, one of the, the things that we often see missing, right, from organizations is like no roadmap. So if, if you ask them, like, do you have an internet roadmap? They might say, hopefully, yes. But if you ask them, do you have a digital workplace roadmap? Less will say yes. If you ask them, do you have an employee experience, a digital employee experience roadmap? pretty much almost no one will say yes, right? And so there's a, there's a really big gap there and there's reasons for it, right? So if you take the internet one, you know, a corporate comms team can own and build that whole roadmap, right? They can, it's one department, it's one sort of source of truth. If you take something like digital workplace, well, okay, now we need to involve HR, we need to involve IT, there's, there's other key stakeholders, but it's still doable, right? Because now we're talking about the digital tools we use in our workplace environment, et cetera, which is very similar to what we're gonna talk about here with employee experience. But when you talk, start talking about employee experience uh, roadmaps, it really starts to break down. And so one of the biggest things that we see with customers is there are patterns across these um, just like I mentioned, these gaps that can be established, there are very common um, uh, areas of investment that you have, and there are things that you expect to see in those areas of investment in today's world that maybe we don't see. So let me give you some examples, right? So if we think about employee collaboration, uh, I mentioned that earlier, there might be some specific investments we would expect to see. So today, what we classify as employee collaboration, at least in our organization, is uh, improving the development of employees. It's improving the, the collaborative outcomes that they work on. It's improving how they connect and network with one another. It's improving like a variety of things within that uh, footprint and not just, you know, how do people work in meetings, right? So what you do is you take something as simple as um, we mentioned earlier, this idea of networking employees, and you come up with a series of investments you're going to make to improve employee network density, strength, ties, et cetera. And those get kind of mapped out. We'll call it a employee networking connection, you know, swim lane in your roadmap. Then you'll have, and this is just for collaboration. And then you'll have another one in that collaboration, which is about, you know, adoption, right? So what's missing? What's a gap in the organization? A lot of organizations do not have a digital center of excellence or a center of digital excellence, which is crazy today, right? Like it's insane that organizations don't have a central place 
that allows people from a funnel perspective, when they consume something about like how to work better or whatever uh, that relates to digital skills, that they don't have a place they can go internally to do self-service, to, to learn, to grow, to find mentors, to connect with champions across the organization and so much more. So if you have champion programs, you need a digital center of excellence. If you, if you want to have champion programs, you need it. If you have IT governance and you want to encourage people how to best use these technologies, you need you know, a digital center of excellence and so on and so forth. So there's all these patterns where uh, a hub for digital excellence becomes really valuable, yet so many organizations don't have one. Why is that? And so you really start to unpack that. And again, your roadmap item is we want to establish a digital center of excellence, but there might be pre-work before it. And there might be some follow-up work afterwards where we tie in other um, digital adoption, digital um, excellence improvement projects across you know, various implementations, right? So you're implementing a new ERP system. It's going to have digital excellence. Great. Now we represent that those core motions holistically, which allows us to really build off each other, right? So when we talk about improving meeting outcomes, we can actually hit three or four different key projects that we're working on. The Microsoft Teams rollout, the um, the, the SharePoint rollout that might be happening and improvement uh, model that we're working through, uh, even through to like when you're preparing for some customer meetings, how it might integrate with Salesforce or uh, dynamics and so on and so forth. So there's technology projects and all these other things. And what, all we're really doing is we're representing them in a, an effective way to say, here's how we're touching. Here's how we're improving digital excellence. And yeah, Microsoft learning is a key part of that too, because the one of the problems with learning today is it's a very siloed experience. I go to my LMS and again, most of the content in that LMS is curated by a small group of people, right? Who don't necessarily know all the challenges that are happening throughout the organization. So what's a better employee experience for learning? One that's social, one that allows us to take advantage of the tens of thousands of uh, video and wonderful learning assets from LinkedIn Learning or other, other tools in, in the marketplace and brings them in to an environment where we're already working, in this case in Microsoft Teams, and allows for socialization, allows you know a manager or a peer to essentially assign learning to someone and say, hey, I think, you know, this leadership training would be really helpful for you. It was helpful for me, right? And then that creates not just better networking and connection and collaboration, but it's showing that we're actually collaborating on learning. We're collaborating on development, right? These are all things that we want. So, so again, you just take the uh, high level, you say, what are we missing? We're missing roadmaps. What, what are we missing in those roadmaps? We're missing collaboration, right? We have intranets. We have hopefully corporate communications roadmaps. What we're often missing is things like collaboration roadmaps. Why? Why can't we have that? And the answer is really often, well, we just don't know how to do it. And, that, and that's not really a fair answer anymore, right? This is something that does have answers. It just takes a little bit of due diligence. Right. Um, I, you know, it's, yeah. it's not that organizations don't have it either. It's that it's very disjointed, kind of where we started. It's it's the collaboration activities are split up in, across different uh, workloads, different applications, different tooling that we use. And without having that roadmap in place and saying, well, let's look at the types of activities. Where are we collaborating? Where's our primary communication? What are the tools that we use? I always refer to it generically. What is the culture of collaboration yeah. within our organization? Some organizations are more email centric in their collaboration. Some are more Yammer social network centric. Uh, some are, are, are more task oriented, project management oriented. And so they live around, you know, project or planner or things like that. And a lot of their interactions have directly related to tasks and, and workloads. You know, each of those things. So part of that, yeah, I mean, imagine you have these conversations with customers is figuring out, okay, let's look at the ways in which you're working now and how can we do this in a better way in a more contextual, you know, kind of fluid way across 
you know, the, 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 the work effort. That's what I think of too. When I think of the employee experience is what is an employee doing over the course of a day? You, you know, moving yeah. from, I log in the morning, I'm, all those I'm the intranet, yeah. I, ch- I, I go and I check my, my email and go do this. I learned some valuable lessons uh, earlier in my career, uh, working with UX, uh, an organization that did nothing but they were helping design, but their primary skill wasn't even the design or the building of the site itself. They were working with our developers and building out the interface. Theirs was in the feedback mechanisms. It was in monitoring, reporting, and providing the data and and providing that guidance for us to come to the, reach those conclusions. They would come in and sit with our employees and look and you clicked on that button. Why did you click on, what did you expect to happen? Here's what we're like, why are you doing it this way? What, what else, what would you do next after that? You've, if you've ever sat with these UX people that ask those questions where you're, you feel like I'm having to go and explain, but when you start to see then the changes that happen be like, oh, this is why here. Oh, this is what's missing over here. We, we should have the ability to have a you know pop out one-on-one chat right at that moment. Um, that's why so many of these these technologies where you're seeing seemingly overlapping capability as you move from different workloads, but is because it's we need to have the ability to have those communications and collaboration capabilities wherever we are throughout each of those workloads over the course of the yeah, day. Yeah, I mean, it has to it has to be frictionless, right? It has to be easily accessible. And and I think what, one of the big challenges we have today is, you know, it feels like somebody has to own it, right? And so if you take that example um, of making this actionable, one of the challenges in the real world is, you know, knowledge management has always run into this problem. Who owns knowledge management, right? Before collaboration became like a big topic, knowledge management was one for a long time. And I think, you know, for a lot of organizations, they still have an answer that right and so what i think we need to do is look at it as two two very important um but parallel tracks of discussion one is how do we change the narrative so that every leader manager executive anyone in the organization they are proud of and want to talk about how they've improved collaboration improved communication and improved employee management those are three categories of technological investment and improvement. They're not cultural. Like, yes, they have cultural tie-ins, but they're not, they don't have to be cultural dri- dri- driven uh, exercises or actions. All three of those can be process centric to your point, uh, technological, et cetera. And, and any executive should know those, right? And today that's a gap. And why? Because maybe they know the comms probably, they probably struggle on the employee management because they're like, isn't that HR's responsibility? And they probably struggle on, um, you know, this uh, this challenge of collaboration. And I think that that used to be okay, but it's no longer acceptable because the way digital works is it requires um, a lot more nuance and a lot more situational uh, awareness and and uh, and framing than it it required when we had the organizational support. Now, does HR support you know employee management helping them understand? Hey, you have these tools, you have these insights. You know, did you know with Viva Insights you can see your team and who's working late and things like that compared to other teams? Right? Again, privacy supported. Right? Do you understand how to use that information in the right way? Have we trained you on how to how to talk to employees about you know uh, burnout and these types of risks like that's hr's responsibility absolutely but it's also every leader's responsibility to understand that and how to action it and so if we take the example of collaboration what we really need is clarity at an executive leadership level of who's driving the collaboration dial and that is a really important area 
for organizations to invest in. There's um, real examples of this. So like in a very large pharmaceutical company we work with, 150,000 people plus, they actually have a making it easier group. That's that's literally their whole definition. That's their idea, right? What they, which is what employee experience is all about, making it easier, right? Yeah. So they say, we look at employee effort and are we reducing employee effort? Are we making employee effort easier, right? As it relates to tasks and things that people need to do. And almost all of their projects are digital, right? Let's be, let's be frank. Like, Almost every one of the projects are digital because that's where we can have the biggest impact on making things easier. So in that organization at the C level, they have this very strategic group that is driving this. And for them, collaboration is certainly one of those viewpoints that they have of how do they need to make collaboration around processes, around projects, around all those things that you were talking about easier. That's great if you're in an organization that has that, but you could still set that as your vision, right? We want to get to that point. So in the meantime, maybe at a departmental level, you know, I own IT or I own a department, I'm going to focus on how do I make it easier for my team? And I'm going to start to rationalize these things in this way. And by doing that, we can start to set the, the tone, right? Set the baseline of this is how we should talk about these things. So the point where I really do fundamentally believe when employees come to join an organization, in the same way you would say, this is our wonderful work office environment, right? Here's our culture. You would actually now get into more of a model of specificity. So you'd say, you know, we are a uh, genuine and uh, you bring yourself to work. How do we do that? Well, we make sure that you have the ability to customize your icons and avatars. You can do this, you can do it. Like there, there has to be like tangible examples and you can say to them like, like think about the difference here. If, if you come at me and you say, here's like 20 and here's a whole list or here's a pre-onboarding site, let, let me create for you a digital experience. You're not an employee yet, right? You're in the recruiting pool. You're clearly expressed interest. Let me not just have an employee corporate onboarding site and a departmental onboarding site, but let me create you a pre-boarding or pre-onboarding site. And in there, let me tell you all the different things that we do where we live up to our cultural values or, or how we improve the employee experience. There's no way that someone who consumes that content wouldn't feel that this is a just like that wonderful office environment, that this is a very positive interaction. And then this might make a difference between this organization and your organization. And if we use that, not just in the hiring, which is the mistake so many organizations make, but you keep that throughout the whole employee journey, right? So as you develop the employee, as you engage the employee, as you work on performance, if all of those things are also talking about the same things and constantly working to highlight for them, here's how we're working to improve and provide those opportunities for feedback. Well, all of a sudden, you know, employee experience becomes a very solvable problem and one that is a huge head, uh, you know, what is it not headwind uh, support, right, for your organization and your employees to do better. So um, I, I think this is very solvable, but there are problems with like who manages and who owns it and where does it start? And I think, you know, anyone can start it, right? At an individual team level or at a departmental level, if you can't do it at an organizational level. It was an important lesson that I learned at previous job, and I had uh, I've heard this at a couple different companies. Um, of, of like that, look, you own your career. Like ultimately, uh, and and I so I, I so I agree with everything you just said. Like having that process and having it so that uh, you know people can uh, get you have clear sight into that. I, I go back to that change management of you know of an organization and feel like I can impact change. I can provide my ideas. I can provide my feedback. Somebody's there listening, taking that in. I might see if they take action on that. Someone will get back and let me know about those things. But ultimately, you know, uh, there, there has to be some level of responsibility on the individual to say, you know what, I'm not, I don't feel like my voice is heard. I don't, I feel like something is missing. missing. I need to speak up. I need to 
you know, I kind of take control of that. Just like I own my own career. If I don't feel like I'm getting the right opportunities, I need to speak up. I need to talk to my manager. I need to, you know, get more and plug myself into more areas of, of the company. But um, yeah, I, I think thinking about that employee experience, I don't know, I just keep coming back to that. If there's an organization that is set up around change, recognizing that we're constantly going to be changing, there's going to be things that are going on and that it's uh, acceptable for people to question the status quo and a process for taking that in. And, and it can't just be one way. It can't just be yeah, like- Hey, there's a box for people to put in their suggestions and maybe somebody will read it, but that there is a, it's, there's it's, a regular review of that and a discussion of those things. And then the action taken, yes, we're going to do this. Here's why, or no, we're not. Here's why. The, the problem with it is it's predicated on trust, right? So um, if you, if you expect uh, every employee to come to you and tell you what's working, what's not, on exit interviews, on you know, uh, hopefully better that we call them like you know, helping people move on in the the best way, whatever. But like at the end of the day, if you're waiting for an employee to do that, um, and I think we all agree, like that's that's fundamentally wrong, right? And yeah. another big challenge is not um, a great name when you call refer to it as a post mortem either on a yeah, project, yeah, exactly, or somebody that's, you know, so yes. positive, I know. Uh, and, and another example of why this is very problematic, especially now with uh, digital first versus um, physical first, is that we run into this challenge of trust. And this is a real big problem because people, uh, one, you have to trust the systems and the organization, right, to actually care and not, you know, and your potential not to be decreased by sharing these things. The yeah. second challenge you have is you want to be able to establish trust between managers and employees so that they can voice. And then those managers can voice those employees things. And there's a trust that that's happening. And those things are more challenging to do in a digital environment, much more challenging to establish trust and things like that. So I would actually argue, um, and this is just my, my opinion, um, I would argue that today it's, it's not appropriate to expect an employee to share or or put that you know you you own your career i don't think it's fair to put that in the employee anymore in a digital world if the organization isn't a active collaborator in that discussion with the employee then the organization doesn't have the right to expect the employee to 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 share right to to put themselves out there and put the risk out there to to share those things and so i think you know um in today's world, uh, that other model where we assume assume ownership, we assume responsibility for the the success of the employee, that their potential is being met. You know, whether it's at a manager level or at an organizational level, I think that's the right model um, versus expecting anything from the employee. You know, the problem with uh, employee experience is you have expectations as an employee that aren't met. Right? That's that's one employee experience doesn't work well. Well, you know, I think a lot of organizations have very, I mean, I think we all agree, have very unrealistic and unfair expectations of employees. And there's a huge power dynamic problem at, at play there that if we take the positive approach, we assume employees, you know, good intention, we assume employees want to do their best work and we support them there. I won't get into all the research studies, but it's very clear that that's the best way to get the maximum out of an employee. Even if you don't think that employee as a manager is the good long-term fit for your organization or even your team, you still want the best out of them for those weeks or months that you're working with them, right? So the best approach you can still take is one of support and positive and all these other things. And I think when we take that and apply it to technology for employee management, 
that removes a lot of these concerns we have around misuse and other things like that. Because if we're making sure that we're clear, this is how we intend to use it, this is why it should be used that way, then it will result in a better positive experience for the employee. And you will see that where employees will expect that experience because they were at another organization, right, where they had, you know, digital connectivity, right? They work in the in a Microsoft Teams environment that's connected to their internet, to you know, all the places they need to work, all their experts, right? They have knowledge centers, they have, you know, topics and things like that. If they've had that experience and they go somewhere else, there's no way that someone doesn't go, especially as an information worker today, and go, man, I uh, I gotta say regardless of the culture and other things, this is a big experience gap for me today. And that might be enough, right, for me not to, to be interested in continuing this employment journey in this organization, unless I see that positive change, right? So I think, you know, yeah, we, we own it, right, as leaders and organizations, and we have to be responsible for it. And um, yeah, I, I worry about the danger of, you know, uh, some of those uh, traditional or legacy thinking approaches, uh, quite frankly, on management science, that are just proven wrong, right? We've, we've proven them time and time again, that they're, that they're incorrect, right? Um, so anyways, I hope, hope we made an argument for that. But yeah, I agree generally with what you're saying, right? As a, as a peer, if I had a friend, and I'm like, yeah, you should absolutely own your career, you should champion the right things, you should have a voice, and you should be very vocal, like, those are all things I would highly endorse. But I, I want to be cautious, depending on who's listening, right? If you're a manager or whatever, to, to take that message the right way, right? Uh, completely agree. It's yeah. Look, Richard, I know there's a lot that we could get into just on that aspect of it. Like just the HR side of this. I mean, really, we talked about the employee experience. You kind of framed it at the beginning. I mean, it's touching across across the entire organization. And here we've just kind of scratched the surface talking about a couple different areas, of course, always. You and I, I think we could have a conversation where we don't devolve into some kind of change management, you know, discussion. <laughs> but uh um, but it's uh, always good to connect with you and uh, to hear some of your insights. And Richard, so really appreciate you taking the time to uh, join me today on Collab Talk. Uh, pleasure. And uh, yeah, looking forward to, to future conversations. I know you and I have them all the time, but I hope this was helpful for others who could kind of hear uh, Christian and I talking pretty much how we always this talk is about how we always, Exactly. <laughs> That's right. This is the typical, like us sitting in the lobby of a hotel somewhere halfway around the world, uh, speaking in an event. This is our conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. A little window into that life. Uh, well, just pleasure. your slides as you usually have. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Let me show you this picture on my phone. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I've got this simple deck. It's only 80 slides. Let me just take 15 minutes and walk you through it. Yeah. So. Awesome. Well, Richard, really appreciate the time. All right. Well, you take good care. Take good care, everyone who listened. You've been listening to the Collab Talk podcast. New episodes are published every Friday, and you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and most other podcast services. Thanks for listening. Hungry for more great content? You have to check out the Shift Happens podcast. I'm your host, Ducks Raymond Sai, Chief Brand Officer at AppPoint. And I sit down to chat with top business leaders and IT professionals about their most challenging modern workplace projects. Tune in to hear real-life advice from industry peers on making plans and pivots, casual conversations exploring the latest trends in collaborative Microsoft 365 technology, and easy, actionable strategies to make organizational change happen. Subscribe to the Shift Happens podcast today, available on all major platforms. Can't wait to see you there. Shift Happens Podcast.